Expect to be amazed by Torino's expansive piazzas, stunning architecture fit for kings, the calming Po River and relaxing parks, the oldest Egyptian museum in the world, and more. Turin stole our hearts. Welcome back to Finding Gina Marie, where we share our lives as full-time travelers and the connections we make along the way. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Judy. I'm Kevin. We heard some great things about Turin, so we knew we needed to squeeze it into our plans. We could only stay a week because we had to work the trip around a train ride on the Glacier Express through Switzerland that we had already locked in. Stay tuned for that episode. If you saw last week's video, we spent a week in Genoa first. From there, Turin was a quick and comfortable two-hour train ride north. We are so glad that we made time for Turin. There is so much to love here. Turin is the capital city of the Piedmont region and was the first Italian capital from 1861 to 1865. Historically, it's a major European political center and you can tell by its wide, straight streets, which is uncommon for most of Italy. Turin is famous for its Baroque architecture and beautiful porticos. The churches are a mix of Baroque, Renaissance, and neoclassical styles, and even a combination of them at times. One of the most interesting is the Royal Church of St. Lawrence, built in 1634. It's fairly nondescript on the bottom half, with an elegant dome on the top. That's because it's next to the Royal Palace, which is commissioned by the Savoy family, and they wanted nothing to distract from the beauty of their palace, not even a church. Another noteworthy church is the Grand Madre al Dio, which means Great Mother of God. It's built to emulate that pantheon with its neoclassical style. One interesting thing about it is that it's built on the base of steep stairs. The topography in this part of Turin is lower. If it was built on the flat ground, it would not be able to be seen from across the river. So the architects built up the foundation so it would be viewable from Castello Square on the other side of the Po River. All of the buildings have rooftops of a similar height but that's actually just an illusion. Some of the buildings have false roofs, so it won't be as obvious that the area closest to the river is seven meters lower and going steadily higher as you go farther away from the river. For a panoramic view of the city, look no further than Mole Antonelliana. Construction started in 1863, and it was originally supposed to be a synagogue, but after innumerable cost overruns, it was purchased by the municipality of Turin and made into a monument to national unity. It houses the National Museum of Cinema. There's a modern elevator that goes up 85 meters that allows you to get a 360-degree view of the city. We had very mixed feelings about Borgo Medievale, the faux medieval castle in Valentino Park. So it's a fake village. It was made uh, because of an expo, an international exhibition. Basically, they wanted to show here the 15th century masterpieces. All the buildings and decor are faithful replicas of 15th century castles and is good for educational purposes. It's not authentic. We 
loved Valentino Park, and the castle has food and beverages and Western-style toilets, whereas the park itself only has squat-style toilets. So there are some pluses. What'd you find? Pretty, Beauty everywhere. Beauty everywhere. Ponds, fountains, walkable this areas. It really reminds me a lot of Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, which we love to ride bikes along. I primarily knew about Turin as being the place where the shroud was kept. One of the relics, the most important one, this one is the relic of Jesus Christ. When I was doing research for visiting Turin, I couldn't find any way to see the shroud of Turin, which, if you're not familiar, is believed to be a burial cloth of Jesus Christ. The church itself does a good job of spotlighting it, though. There's a box on the left side of the church that's behind the glass that protects the shroud. The church has gone back and forth regarding its authenticity. One of our guides here confirmed that for preservation purposes, the shroud is only displayed every five years, except for a jubilee or some special exhibit that the Pope allows. So the next time you can view it in person will be 2025. And there are multiple video displays with portions of the shroud and closed captioning so that you can read about the history and the wounds. One of the reasons we were interested in coming here was that Turin has the oldest Egyptian museum in the world. It's older than Cairo's and only second to theirs in the way of being the largest and most important in terms of value and quantity of finds. My wife is Italian. I am Egyptian. Okay. My origin is Egyptian. My wife is Italian. And she's an Italian teacher. I didn't know about the Egyptian museum until we visited Egypt and they mentioned that so many of the artifacts they talked about weren't actually in Egypt but rather in Italy and the UK and a few other places. What a feast for the eyes! Mercato Centrale Torino is the largest open-air fruit and vegetable market in Europe. The market runs daily from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. and it has 754 stalls. On Saturdays, the outdoor market is everything imaginable. Clothes, shoes, luggage, bedding, curtains, toys, records, you name it. Near our Airbnb, we really didn't see anything more than a mini market for groceries. The Mercato Centrale is why. This is where the locals go to do their weekly food shopping. 
blueberries were four euro per kilo. In addition to the outdoor fruit and vegetable stands inside, you can get pasta, meat, fish, bread, and prepared foods that you can eat at any of the Mercado tables. There's a coffee bar, several restaurants, a beer house, a cooking school, and 28 artisan shops too. There's even a little booth selling Giandotto. We've got a map linked below. We'll talk about food in a bit, but chocolate deserves to be its own topic. If you've ever tasted the deliciousness of Nutella, which is a blend of hazelnut and chocolate, we just want you to know that it's made here. But the inspiration for Nutella is Giandotto Chocolates, which was founded in Torino in 1865. They're considered the king of Italian chocolate. It's made of a rich paste of fine cocoa and Piedmont hazelnuts. It originated when there was a luxury tax on cocoa, and Caffarel replaced some of the cocoa with hazelnuts to get around the cost. But now cocoa is cheap, and hazelnuts are the pricier component. And I love their motto, so good that one is not enough. We agree. Baratti and Milano Chocolatier also originated in Torino, and its cafe opened in 1875, and it is amazing. It's got a lovely, fancy feel like going to an upscale afternoon tea in London, but it's got chocolate. Do I even need to say more? Okay, I will. They have their own version of hazelnut and chocolate, which also is really delicious. And Lavazza Coffee, which is an Italian family-owned coffee roaster, originated here in 1895. And you know how I love my cappuccinos. We didn't see it, but there's even an interactive multi-sensory Museo Lavazza. Torino takes chocolate and coffee one step further and has created its own caffeinated drink called Bicherine. The original version is a three-layer drink that you do not stir before drinking, something our server emphasized multiple times. Someone referred to it as a glass of hot liquid velvet, not too sweet and not too bitter. We tried it both at Baratti a Milano and also at the cafe where it originated, Cafe Al Bicherin, established in 1763. They give you a spoon, but only so you can scrape out the remaining chocolate after you've finished what you can drink. First in the glass is espresso, then a rich, bittersweet, hot chocolate mixture, and finally frothed milk, which to us tasted almost like cream. Saying it's like a mocha latte does not do justice to it at all. And interestingly, it's served at all hours of day, not just before noon like cappuccinos, so it's a cheat. <laughs> now onto some of the other foods Torino is famous for. Italy is known for its aperitivi. You buy a cocktail and you get some free nibbles with it. Our Hugo Spritzes came with focaccia with meat, tomato, and a serving of chips here at Cafe Cristal in Piazza Statuto. Everywhere you go in Italy, you will experience regional cuisine. We didn't have time to eat everything, but we made a good dent. Here are some of the regional specialties we enjoyed. Breadsticks originated here. They're called Grissino. I love that this particular one has some seminola flour sprinkled on it. Vitello Tonato is a popular appetizer of cold, thinly sliced veal with a creamy mayonnaise-like sauce flavored with tuna and hints of caper and anchovy. Agnolati alpine are tiny pockets like ultra-mini ravioli stuffed with meat. I've had them with lamb and also a combination of veal and pork. Either way, they've been delicious. They're served commonly with a butter sage sauce or a cheese sauce, or as you can see here, both. Risotto and black rice are both popular here. The presence of truffles in Torino makes for a delicious combination. For dessert, there's bunette, 
made with caramel, chocolate, amaretto cookie, and rum. Gelateria La Romana is one of the top places to go for incredibly creamy and delicious gelato. Before we talk about what we paid, we're excited to share that we've started our own absolutely free community forum that we are calling La Familia. You can ask questions about trip planning and all things related to travel there. We're also giving you a chance to peek behind the scenes and are offering a bunch of other perks we're calling Gelato Levels, if you decide you want to help support us financially as well. A video with the details is linked in the description below. So let's go through some prices that we paid. Our train from Genoa to Turin was €26.90 and took 2 hours and 12 minutes. Our Airbnb for 7 days was $530.04, which breaks down to $75.72 per night. But this is one of the reasons that staying for only a week is a drawback. There are bigger discounts when you stay a month. Our small group tour the Turin Egyptian Museum through Viator was $119.84 for both of us. It ended up being just us, which was cool. Our bike tour the highlights and hidden gems of Turin was $86.76 total for both of us. We really got a lot out of this tour and recommend it. We've linked both of these in the description below. Now onto the food and drink. Our Hugo Spritzes in the park with snacks were six euro a piece. That's half the price they were in the south of France without the snacks. Our trip to Borari in Milano was 30 euro and that included two bicciorines and a small dessert for each of us. The bicciorines were only eight euro and 10 euro a piece. Mine with gelato was a little bit more expensive. Bicciorine and a small plate of assorted biscotti at the home of Bicciorine, Café El Bicciorine, cost 22 euro. That included table service. The Bicciorines alone were 6 euro 50 a piece. Small and medium gelato at Gelateria La Romana were 3 euros for small and 3.50 for medium. Can you guess which one of us had the medium? Dinner at Bottega Mio Ristorante was 56 euro 50, where I had the Annulati del Pin with two sauces for 14 euro. Kevin's seafood pasta dish was 18 euro, a glass of wine was 7 euro, bottled water was 5 euro, and an espresso was 1 euro 50. There also is a cover charge, which was 6 euro for both of us. It covers the cost of bread, but you pay it regardless of whether you eat it or not. Our morning cappuccinos were 3 euro a piece. Lunch at Cantina Barbaro consisted of 9 euro 50 risotto with guanciale for me, 9 euro for Kevin's taglione with saffron and shrimp, and wine was 4 euro, 31 euro 50 total. Pizzeria da Peppino charged only 1 euro 50 for their water, and Judy's Inferno pizza was 9 euros. My classic margarita was only 5 euro. Again, a glass of wine was 4 euro, and yes, it's perfectly fine to ask to take home the leftovers. Even though it was only a week, I thought we did quite a bit during this amount of time. What did you think about Torino after being here? You know, you're right. This week was packed and we didn't get a lot of time to really just sit in the city and enjoy it like we normally do. But honestly, I kind of fell in love with it. I, I was like 100% let's go Verona if we get to move to Italy in the near future. But I've kind of changed my mind. I think Torino has so much to offer. I, I love the architecture. I love the ability, the availability of museums and restaurants and sights to see. And the I, Po River, I thought, was a big plus in the parks. Parks and rivers. I don't know. I, I can't find too many negatives about this city. So kind of excited. I want to come back here for much longer than a week. Yeah, I think we're going to plan a 2024 trip to for for at least a month and see how we feel about it. Yeah, we're tires, see if we really want to come back permanently at some point. 
we're not ready to stop traveling anytime soon. So it will still be at least a couple of years uh, before we can even think about doing something oh, yeah. like that. But really, it did steal my heart as well. If you've been to Torino, we would love to hear what your opinion is about the city. And if you aren't already subscribed, please do that. Give us a like if you enjoyed this video. And check out findgmarie.com where you find Judy's journal, lots of good articles and more details about why we might like this city. Until next time. Until next time.